0: Welcome to Indoor Voices. I'm Kathleen Collins, librarian and professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. In this conversation, you'll hear about three intersecting narratives, that of a dedicated scholar and teacher, the stories of her Vietnamese students, and the editors who carried on that teacher's work and realized those students' stories. Khan Minh Le of Queens College and the Graduate Center talks with City Tech adjunct professor Julian Costa and Pace University student Gabriel Da Silva about the book they've recently completed, What They Know, Reflections of Vietnam. It's been a decades-long project that started with the work of Dr. Rebecca Dean and her Vietnamese students at a community college in Tampa, Florida in the 1980s. Julian and Gabriel talk with Khan about how the book came to fruition and how the stories of Vietnamese refugees are something students in the U.S. really don't learn much about, if anything at all. To learn more about Khan, Julian, and Gabriel, and Rebecca, visit IndoorVoicesPodcast.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this conversation.
1: To start by saying thank you to um julian and gabriel for being here for making time and space to do this this interview with with me and, and i just want to introduce myself and how um, i got involved in in this is my research you know center on the lives of, of vietnamese american uh, refugee youth uh, high school youth in, in philadelphia and how they narrate their parents grandparents Journey to the U.S., coming here and immigrating here and settling in the U.S. and how race, class, trauma, uh, schooling, and language play a role in that uh, narration and that and how they construct their lives um, in the U.S. Um, and Kathleen um, saw a piece that the graduate center did on me uh, interview and then she introduced me to um, Gabriel and, and Julian and and you know it would be great if we connect and and do this podcast and I think. I think it's nice that we are able to do this and to provide a space and to document this because uh, a lot is not being talked about uh, regarding the experience of a Vietnamese American, you know, and and I just want to say again, thank you, Julian, and thank you, Gabrielle. And I, I pass it on to you to do the introduction.
2: Well, thank you, Khan. My name is Julian Costa. I teach in the humanities department at the New York City College of Technology in Brooklyn, where I teach Public speaking courses. I've been there now almost four years, and I'm very pleased to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity.
3: Um, my name is Gabriel La Silva. I'm currently, I'm currently a junior at Pace University. Uh, surprisingly, um, and I'm majoring in information systems. It's just crazy to know that I'm already a junior, and with COVID and everything, it's just it, it went by so fast.
1: I can't believe you are a junior, Gabriel, <laughs> and, and, and doing this kind of work. That's uh, that's really, really amazing. Um, and and I think you know the purpose of us being here is is to talk about the book, right? That both of you uh, edited. Um, and I want to give that space to you to talk about about the book. Let's let's just start with you know how this project come about. How did you co- become editors <laughs> of this book that you know we'll be publishing? Well,
2: there's a very long story behind it, actually. And it's a story that spans over 30 years, actually. My mentor, the late Dr. Rebecca Dean, began her teaching career in Florida in 1985. And she grew up while the Vietnam War was really at its darkest points, shall we say. And she remembered that quite vividly. Fast forward, she started teaching in the 80s at two community colleges in the Tampa, Florida region. And when she started teaching, she was very surprised to encounter Vietnamese refugees in her classes, people that had escaped Vietnam over the last couple of years prior, people who had been children leaving Vietnam and then had grown up and gone to college, etc. And she, a lot of her early teaching responsibilities were composition courses and Students, just like they do now, will often ask, What do I write about? What is a topic I should write about? And Rebecca said, Write about what you know. And these students did. They shared their personal experiences about adjusting to a new culture, leaving during dangerous times, in dangerous circumstances, etc. And she was so moved and so touched by these essays that she said, At the time, I'd love to assemble or compile an anthology of these essays because people don't know much about Vietnam and these stories have really not been told or at least have been shared with a lot of people. And her students loved the idea. They were honored by that. Unfortunately, then Rebecca began her doctoral work. She had to write her dissertation. She was hired onto a tenure track teaching position in Pennsylvania and life got in the way. Fast forward almost 20 years, she met me. I was one of her students in her speech communication class at the young age of 19 years old. And I was in her office one day, and on her desk was this piece of paper that was titled Seven Days on the Sea, and it was in dot matrix type, so it looked old. And I, the eagle eyes that I have, I guess, just wandered to it, and I said, what is this? And she gave me the story about the essays. And I said to her, you should really finish this project. And we agreed that someday we would. And then that someday came about after she retired in 2019. We started working on this. And then the coronavirus pandemic kind of put everybody's lives on hold. Once people started to, I guess, kind of get a grip on reality again and realize that they can still continue to work on things. We hired a writing coach in Pittsburgh, Bailey Creamer, who helped with writing the preface and kind of helping with some organizational aspects of the project. And right after the first draft of the preface was written on May 7th, Rebecca Dean passed away unexpectedly. and. Not long before that happened, I was kind of in the planning stages of the book's layout, the design aspects of it. And I turned to a friend of mine and a former student named Gabriel for his involvement, because um, I, I have sort of a mentoring role in his life, which I'm very honored to have. And one thing that he and I both enjoy are learning how to use new software programs. So I was interested in teaching him how to use Adobe InDesign, which is a, a layout design for publication, and that's kind of how he came into it. And I think I will pass the microphone over to Gabriel now to share how he came into the project.
3: Yeah, Julian, well, you you hit the dot, man. That's that was mainly the role. And I remember when I first joined in, I was I really wanted to do it for Rebecca because I know she was very special in your life. And as you said, she was your teacher, and I know she was a mentor for you. And Currently, right now, you're my mentor to me. And it's and I really just wanted to help you with this book. And we just wanted to do this for Rebecca and also for her students as well, because that, that was also very important. But we just wanted to get this book out there, too, because people deserve to know what people went through. And it's just very it's it's really important.
2: So then the last sort of leg of the project, uh, Gabriel and I spent the entire summer every Wednesday in the computer lab going through making little typographic changes, making decisions about layout and how we wanted things to look. And I think yeah, it was, it was uh, aug- around August 11th thereabouts that we finally completed the project.
3: Yeah, around there, man. I, I, it was crazy because we worked on it all day, every Wednesday from like, we started in maybe May, May right? May, we started in May and then we went all the way to August and we would probably meet like every week just working on it. It, it was fun. It was very fun.
1: There's so many parallels with with my life and my experience, and with your work and Rebecca's work, and and I just want to touch on those parallels a little bit. And one of the things I see is the parallel of of having a men, you know, a mentor, right, um, and doing this work for you know. There's a purpose to it, right, and and, and there's, the purpose of uh, dual prong, right. One is to to document the lives of the Vietnamese uh, refugees the others doing it for, for our mentors, right? And I see that with my work, I think, because my dad, you know, my family, I'm also a Vietnamese refugee and my family, are, are um, you know, is a refugee, right? And my dad fought for the U.S., you know, and he was in prison for eight years after the communists took over. And to see like our experience not being centered and not uh, seeing our stories being um, documented. And, and it goes back to the part of the process of the, of the U.S., right? This remembering. Because it's just a war that the U.S. felt really like a shame of defeating and not being, not knowing what to do with this group of people who's displaced. And that brought a lot of shame and the U.S. just want to not mention Vietnam at all. And so like it wasn't taught. And my work with the Vietnamese American youth is to bring those. Uh, the voice and the, that, those narratives out. And I remember, um, into, uh, you know, talking about with the youth and they're like, yeah, they don't learn about Vietnam, you know, the war, it just brushed under the rug, you, you know, they felt like their lives and their experience were not being centered. And that's just remembering is part of my work and what I call trans trauma, right? It's these Vietnamese Americans um, have trauma that's passed on from generation to generations, but that's, it's not just about passing on, right, but it's about relocating that trauma from the bodies, right, to the institution, right, and then have the U.S. play a role in th- that trauma. I, I, I see a lot of parallel in Rebecca because, you know, I'm a professor at Queens College teaching composition, <laughs> actually, and Julian, I'm glad that you, you were able um, to see that, that stack of document on Rebecca thus that, and like you know I'm like I want to work on it and and, and because of that right we, we are here you know and 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 thank you for sharing that that beautiful moment of you and Rebecca and and finding out that document it's just beautiful and and then you know having Gabriel being on board and being his mentor I, I and, and what I' trying to say is it takes a village yeah, you know, it takes a village. You know, um, with my mentor, my advisor helping me with my work and, and situating situating my work, right? And then with Rebecca, and then with you, with Julian, Julian helping Gabriel. It's like passing on, and I, and then that's something that's very beautiful to see. <laughs> I just love it. And I'm so happy that the three of us are, are here and, and sharing the story. And I read these narratives, you know, these beautiful narratives, beautiful, but also painful and heartbreaking at the same time. And I just want to want to get your your thoughts or your feelings as you read them. You know, what, what went through your mind, actually?
3: I remember the first time I read these narratives and these stories. It was the very first time like, Julian, Julian showed it to me. I was my my initial reaction was that i was very shocked because it was just i never really read something like that before and it came from like you know real life people and at the time like i had the urge that i you know i needed to help them with it essentially because then afterwards there were like so many other stories too and some of them are real deep some of them are they talk about certain things i'm not sure if i can mention in the podcast but it's they get real deep and it's very like sensitive these people went through a lot of hard times so people should know about what they went through in the U.S. Because as you said before, Khan, like the U.S., they minimize it. They push it down a lot. And essentially not a lot of students, not a lot of people learn about the Vietnam War. And they learn more about like World War II and other things. So essentially they need to learn about the things that occurred to Vietnamese people.
2: That was my initial reaction even back when I first read that. Essay. That was, what, 2009? That was a long time ago. And I remember thinking at the time, and it's still my thought now, is I really don't know much about Vietnam. I, I took social studies classes through my schooling. I took a history course in college. And I don't ever remember taking notes about Vietnam, I don't remember being assigned to read anything about Vietnam. If it came up, it was always kind of accidental or it was a side note about something. And actually in preparing for this podcast, as well as uh, some other stuff related to the book, I was reading the secondary education certification for social studies, the list of topics for the Praxis exam. And Vietnam is mentioned in only one bullet point. I find that very interesting. So my reaction is still the same, is that this is just not being taught. And this not enough people know about this. And in the early stages of putting the book together, I should differentiate, within this past year, speaking to Gabriel, speaking to Bailey Creamer, we all kind of agreed that I don't know much about Vietnam and we, I wish I did. I'm certainly curious. A lot of the schools I teach at, to the best of my knowledge, there are no standalone courses in Vietnam history. So just interesting observations, I suppose.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Julian Gabriel. And I believe that's done intentionally. I I believe that because the U.S. committed a lot of atrocity in, in, in Vietnam, you know, from the spraying of 18 million gallons of Agent Orange from the My Lai Massacre. And, you know, it was the first war that's being broadcast live, you know? So you have people sitting in the living room in the evening watching what's happening 9,000, 8,000 miles away. But so it was a lot of, it was traumatizing. And it's more traumatizing for the Vietnamese who fled the country into being here and not being talked about, it, not being able to process it, not having a face to process it, to talk about it, to go through it. And you know, when I read these, the narratives, sometimes I choke and I cry because like, it takes me back to my own experience, right? Some of it is very beautiful. Uh, some of it is just very painful. I, I just want to know, what do you hope that the readers reading this book to take away uh, when somebody that is not Vietnamese American, that is not, that's outside, what would you like them to take away from reading these narratives?
3: In general, there are a lot of like close-minded people in just in general in the world. and I just hope like maybe one of them, they can open the book and just think about like, you know, what these people went through and all those hardships that they went. And it's just one of those things where they almost like lost their lives, escaping their country. They were just seeking freedom at the end of the day. I have a, a Brazilian background, so my family is from Brazil and they were not, it's not even in the same, in the same area because they were, they were only trying to find, they were trying to find a better life like the Vietnamese people, but they weren't being prosecuted. But essentially, I just want more, as people read the book, I want them to be more open-minded about it and to learn like, oh my God, these people, they really risk their lives to come here to the U.S. and they, they really care about their life, essentially. Yeah. I
2: think first and foremost, I certainly want people to have knowledge of this facet of history that's so important and so grossly and offensively ignored by the history curriculum in the United States. But I think looking at it at a different level, I hope that they can also learn a little bit about Self disclosure and sharing one's experiences, and also the fact that self disclosure can be constructive. You know, these students were writing about their experiences, but it wasn't self pitying. It wasn't, woe is me. I didn't get that attitude from any of the essays, even some of them being as painful as they were. But I saw, I saw a lot of courage. I saw a lot of optimism being conveyed through those essays. And My hope, maybe it's the educator in me, but my hope is that when people read them, they can see that it's good to share your experiences in writing or some other creative form. But with the mindset of being constructive, that you can educate, you can share experiences about ourselves, you can share a message, like I say, of courage, of optimism, of
1: strength. All right. That it doesn't need to just be focused on one emotion. I'm glad you mentioned that, Julian. The essay, the narratives are very dynamic, and I I think there's one that just made me smile. Even though it was sad, it made me smile. Um, You know, he met this young woman in the refugee camp, but he know the young woman has a husband or a partner and he know that he can't he, he couldn't build a, a life with her, uh, with her and and he's going to go to the U.S. and she's going to the, to Australia but he's like in love with her but but still wish the best for her and I, I thought that was that was just very touching and that was just very beautiful and it, you know there's hope there's a sense of collectivism and not individualism right these these people who, who went through a lot always want the best for other folks right they want the best even though that meant he loves her, but like he couldn't be with her, but he, he wants, um, and he wants to know how she's doing or, um, you know, when he's in the U.S. And I thought that was just a very beautiful story. And I'm so glad that you mentioned about resilient courage and hope and, and not just pain in, in, in these stories, you know. Um, the next question I want to follow, were you able to relate to these narratives? I know that it's about um, experience of Vietnamese refugees, but i I don't know if you can relate or were you able to relate when you read these narratives or these stories or these essays?
2: I can't say I can relate on a personal level very deeply. I mean I, I a family, my family came over from Italy I have my mother's side of my family came from Canada, so I mean there's certainly I guess you can say an appreciation for culture and things like that. But I see it more so in terms of my career. And I see it now I can relate in the sense that I've taught students who English is not their first language. I've taught students who come into my class and had never taken a college class before, or actually have never taken a course in English before college or any other level. And I always try to be supportive Of students who are struggling with the English language, especially I I teach a lot of public speaking courses. So a lot of it is just helping people find their voice and also give them self-esteem to express themselves. And I think that by reading these essays now, because obviously I read them when I was a teenager, but reading them now as an educator, it taught me to, I guess, appreciate what they've gone through, whether it was painful or not, but it's an adjustment. It's having to adjust to a new language, to new surroundings, to new cultural practices, if you will. So I guess you can say, I can relate in terms of observation more so than direct experience.
3: In a similar way to what Julian said, I also, I cannot really relate to what they went through, but I really I appreciate like what they what they did to find freedom and what they went through. Essentially, as I said before, my family is from Brazil. And so they they came here to to find a better life. You know, they went through a lot, a lot of discrimination, a lot of that stuff. And in general, it was just very hard for them, you can say. I remember my parents telling me, you know, when they first came here, it was difficult. They had to sleep on the floor. They they were very they were getting discriminated against. They you, you can essentially say that they had to build like this thick skin of theirs to, you know, handle like this image that people had of like immigrants at the time. It just sucks. And then it just went from there and they just, I don't even know how to describe it, but they just, they just lived their lives afterwards. I asked them to this day, do they ever regret coming here? And they said, no, they actually, it was just during the time people had this this viewpoint of like immigrants are being bad, you know, they're, they shouldn't be here and all that stuff. But, you know, just like with the with Vietnamese people, with these, with these refugees, you had to give them respect because at the end of the day, they're trying to find a better life for themselves. And essentially you you really cannot be selfish. Like you had to accept these people. Like they're, they're going through some rough stuff that you're not going through. And sometimes you, you just have to be open-minded about it. Thank you for
1: sharing that, uh, your story about your family. And I think it's empathy, right? I think what we what we are trying to say is that because of this, you know, we have empathy. Right? We have empathy for, for folks that are different from us, for folks that are struggling, from, for folks that are not as privileged as us. You know, please correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but I see that you know, I see that it gives us a different perspective and a different lens of, you know, empathy. And I think that's important to have because we are educator or you know, students. I, I think that's very important. I want to take a, a, a step back and talk about, because my work deal with trauma or trans trauma and language and race, how do you see these narratives intersects with these areas? yeah
3: during like my high school years like during English classes like that sometimes my professor well my teacher you could say they would want us to like grab a book about like you know a real life story and I remember we had all the whole class we had to read a book called Night I'm not sure if you're familiar with that I forgot the author but it was called Night it was about the World War II story and it just it just went into full detail about like you know what was going on during that time and stuff like that so with this book it would be really nice to know that, you know, a high school or, you know, not even a high school, maybe a middle school. I'm not sure it would be, you know, too good for middle school, but essentially I would want a school to maybe rent out or just rest and show like the book to the younger generations of like what these refugees went went through.
1: When I read it, I, I love it that Rebecca didn't edit the youth language, the youth writing, you know, she kept it as it is. And I think that's honoring the youth. I mean, not the youth, the, the, <laughs> the college students, I'm sorry, because my Thinking about my youth, my work with my youth that I, I, I do not edit their, their writing or their work. And so like I, I saw some similarity and, and you know, I, and I just want to point that out. That was an honor of their writing, of their feelings, of their thoughts. And it was kept in the original format. And I appreciate that. And I can see that, you know, as editor, you arranged the, the narrative into, into three sections, right? The escape, life as refugees, and the new land. Was this done intention intentionally or was it just done in chronological order? Or how did you negotiate this? Well, that actually was Rebecca's idea.
2: She had always said that she wanted to group the essays sort of by a theme. I'll give you another little backstory here. Not long after teaching the Vietnamese students, Rebecca applied for enrollment into the phd program at the university of pittsburgh in cultural studies that was her focus and her essay in order to get into the program she wrote about the experience of teaching these vietnamese refugees and in at the end of that essay she mentions the desire to put this collection together and she even in that essay said as far as wanting to make it into sections the escape as refugees in the new land, ideas and concepts. She had the idea for five different sections and then um, Gabriel and I honored that as best as we could. Um, We decided, I think, just to merge ideas and concepts together just so that each of the sections was a little more um, balanced, I suppose. But they are thematic, but they're also chronological in the sense that, yes, we've obviously isolated different themes here, but we're also showing that journey from being in one country, having to escape, and then having to adjust to life in a new country. So it provides a timeline as
1: well as highlighting different themes. That journey is beautiful, and, and that it's just beautifully done weave in and out. And, and I can see myself like really immersed in the stories and the narratives. Thank you. I see like there's a lot of mentioning of home in these essay or narrative that are not meant to be like a physical space so I I just want to ask you like a kind of like a personal questions what does home mean to you actually
3: I'm going to try and describe it to the best of my ability obviously everyone knows what home stands for but to me at least it's it's something it's a place where I can be myself and be you know I know it's a special place where I can just go and sometimes there's going to be people there that I that I enjoy or some people that may live with me but essentially home to me is just a special place that I know I won't be I won't be hurt can say i believe in my own opinion that these people these refugees they were looking for a home and they were trying to find a better place and a, a new place that they can call home thank you
2: and my answer to that actually is very similar to gabriel's i was going to say that a home is a place where one is accepted where one is not criticized where one just like gabriel said can be themselves and whether that is a physical space inside walls and a ceiling, whether that is a neighborhood, a city, a state, whatever, it's a place where one feels accepted in their truest, deepest sense of self. Thank you, Julian
1: and Gabriel, for that. How do you draw the lines in providing like a space for Vietnamese refugees to share their stories, and then portraying them as victims, victim, speaking on their behalf? And I think, I with back with, again with my work you know uh, because just uh, some power issues some power dynamic do you how, how you do that
3: essentially as I said like uh, before with the Vietnamese story like everything like that it's it's very important it's it's something that should be shared and it's I uh, I don't know I don't actually know how to describe it to you but it's it's just something that should be out there because you know as I said before there's way there's a lot of people that don't know the background of it don't know what what happened. And it, it should be spread across like the world. I think
2: that in terms of differentiating between providing a, a space for expression versus portrayal of victims, I think the style of the essays prevents that because the writers don't depict themselves as victims. They uh, certainly uh, acknowledge the pain. They acknowledge the struggles. The, but again, there's that sense of optimism. There's that sense of courage. And I think that that kind of intrinsically prevents that from happening. They don't pres- they don't portray themselves in a negative light. And I think when you read things having to do with people escaping difficult situations like genocides or things like that, it's very easy for the writer to start to put themselves down. I've noticed that in in just passing reading things over the years and these people haven't done that. And I think to kind of come back to Rebecca's preface, her desire was to understand the culture of Vietnam and to celebrate the culture. It isn't patronizing, it isn't scholarly. I mean, in an earlier draft of the of what became the preface, there was some scholarly literature cited and Rebecca at one point said, I want to take all that out. I don't want this to turn into a critical analysis or me trying to intellectualize about these people. I just want to understand and celebrate it. And at the end of the day, really what she did was encourage her students to share their experiences. She was not trying to adjust their mindset. She was not trying to tell them they were right or they were wrong. It was just very simple. And And you see it on the back cover of the book, write about what you know very simple but in my opinion rather profound instruction and i think that the students responded well to that and their mindsets were so that they didn't see themselves as victims so therefore we didn't have to prevent
1: that necessarily i think so too and thank you for explaining that and i think it's a it's a good note to end this you know because it's about celebration right of rebecca's work life and the vietnamese American experience here in the U.S. And I think this book is about that. And I just want to thank you, uh, Gabriel. And thank you, Julian, for putting this together and putting it out there. Um, and I can't wait to have a physical copy <laughs> of the book. But I, I just want to say thank you to both for honoring Rebecca's work. Uh, even though I don't know her, I feel like there's some closeness to, uh, to her from you talking about her. And I also want to thank you both for your time and and for this opportunity to have this dialogue that will, I think will celebrate Vietnamese American. Before we finish,
2: I, I wanna just say that, you know, you mentioned mentoring. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning. And, you know, I didn't wanna turn this into a eulogy, but if I could, I have the opportunity to say something about Rebecca, I would very much like to. And that is that she was a beautiful spirit. She was a wonderful teacher. She had such empathy and appreciation for people and their cultures and their stories and their talents. And when I walked into her class, I had no intention of being a college professor, but I have her to thank for that inspiration. And she was very helpful to me throughout my, the beginning of my career through grad school, etc. And I was very pleased that she wanted to work with me on this project, that she welcomed me into it. I never thought that I would be channeling grief by putting a book together, but that's kind of how it worked out. I could say lots of wonderful things about Rebecca, but I also wanna say that uh, having Gabriel there made it all the more special. There were moments where he certainly had to give me a shoulder to cry on every now and then, but um, just his enthusiasm for the project, as someone who's obviously a generation younger than me, that was inspiring and motivating in its own way, and like I say, it was just it was interesting how it came full circle. I started this project with my mentor, and I finished it with someone I'm mentoring. And um, Gabriel, if I could humiliate you for one second, I just want to yeah, say, let, have your time. <laughs> I just want to say thank you for everything. This this could not have happened without you.
3: Thank you, man. I want to thank you too, man, for everything as well. It, it was a crazy experience as i said before it was crazy it was loving it was very fun
1: that's so beautiful to witness actually Uh, even over zoom (laughs) so yeah yeah it takes a village so thank you thank you both and it's an honor to get to know you i hope that you know we get to meet in person and and thank you and and good luck
3: yeah appreciate it thank you you're welcome